Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. All righty, good evening, everybody. Night number three, and Pastor says zero to 60 in two seconds. Two seconds, all right. Before we start, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity that you have presented to us. Father, to gather in this place at this time. Father, we know that we're here for a reason. God, we're here to hear your voice. So, Father, as we hear as a spirit speak to us tonight, Father, again, we hear and listen with the intent to obey. For you said, he who have ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit has to say to the church. God, we thank you for this pastor, this church, Father, as they have welcomed us this week. And Father, as we move forward with your vision, God, we pray, Father, that we will stay true and God, that we will trust that vision. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 I want to, um, yeah, they started the clock on me. I wanted to, uh, I like it though. I like that clock. I, it might be something we have to get, but, uh. I want, to, I want to rewind a little bit, and I, I, I know I said we're going to stack and we're going to move forward, but I want to rewind a little bit to last night, and I want, I want you to picture something for me, and this was something that was in my spirit last night after we left. I want you to picture a car, and it may be your car, any car, and I want you to picture you buy that car, you drive that car, things begin to happen to that car, car has to go to maintenance, new tires, all change. A lot of things happen with our cars. And then I want you to picture the engine light coming on. And so now I need a diagnostic. I need to go and see why that engine light is on. And you take it and you go and people look at it and they just can't figure out why that check engine light is on. And then you get a letter from the manufacturer, the person who built that car. And they they say, listen, bring your car in. I'm going to fix it for free. And I thought about it, and and, and why do I say that? Because, listen, last night somebody left here with their check engine light on. Somebody sat in this audience last night, and their check engine was on. And and, and it was diagnosed last night. You knew that there was something that you needed to come. And, And let me tell you, the great mechanic was standing before us last night. He says, come. Come. He says, I'm going to fix your car for free. So what is that car? That car represents our lives. Because let me tell you something. A lot of our lives, that check engine light is on. Listen, we have to learn to respond to God when he calls. And if we don't respond, at times we're going to miss what God has in place for us. With that being said, we do want to move forward tonight. So uh, Monday night we talked about facing adversity and how to overcome adversity. And I hope at the end, I I, I wanted to define the greatest adversary was myself, was me. And last night, after I could overcome myself, I talked about the vision and, and, and understanding and trusting God's vision for my life. And let me tell you what happens. When we overcome ourselves and we set ourselves to work for God on that vision, something else is gonna come along. And tonight, I want to talk about that something else. And that something else is one word, opposition. You see, there's a difference between an adversary and opposition. 
And we are going to have to learn how to overcome the opposition by knowing that, listen, the great, the great peaceful thing I know is that wherever I find myself in life, God has my back. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54 and 17. And I want to read this scripture tonight for us to hear. Isaiah 54 and 17 says this. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. It says, in every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is a heritage of the service of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So what, am I, what do I want to gather from this scripture that God is saying? And people ask me, well, why do you read a lot of the Old Testament? Why do you preach a lot about the Old Testament? Because the Bible tells me that the Old Testament was given for us as an, a great example of who God is. And if God tells me that no weapon is formed against me shall prosper, then that lets me know when opposition comes that they can't defeat anything that God is trying to do for me. In Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, there's a great opportunity that lies before me. But with great opportunity comes great opposition. And I want you to think about the times in your life where there was something great for you to achieve. And with that great opportunity came great opposition. I was in Washington, D.C. a few years ago, and I was standing at the uh, Vietnam Memorial. And I was looking at all the names on that, and I was just how did so many people die in this war? And one of my friends was telling me he was in Afghanistan or in Iraq. And he says the problem was that it's hard to identify the opposition. You see, in Iraq, one day a kid might run up to you and hug you and thank you for coming to liberate their country. And the next day, another kid might run up to you and he's strapped with the bomb. You never knew who the opposition was. And let me tell you something. There is declared opposition for those who will live for Christ. I use myself a lot as a great example of how not to handle things. So let me tell you, I, wanna, I was thinking about this, and, and I want to share something with you about how not to handle opposition. I, I uh, joined the Navy out of high school, and I went to boot camp all the way to San Diego, California. And in boot camp... Uh, you know, it's anybody been in the military, that's some tough times. The first Sunday that we had in boot camp, the drill instructor came in and he said, I have been ordered to tell y'all that there's a church service going on. He says, but those of you who choose to go, he says, while you're gone, I'm going to teach everybody else how to do their lockers, how to fold their clothes. And so when you get back, I'm going to have an inspection. And if you fail the inspection, you'll be up all night. We call it marching party. I realized right then that I have a declared enemy or some opposition coming my way. And it didn't ease up. And, 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 and one day, and, and, and you know what? I, I thought this man was the devil himself. One day, we had a mail call, and my mother had sent me a care package. And when he called my name, I ran up and stood in front of him, and he was open and eating my cookies. And he looked in the box and he said, tell me, Stanley, how are you going to share these few cookies with all of these people in in your company? I don't know, sir. He says, I'll tell you. I'll show you. And he dropped my box on the floor and he stuck his foot in it and just started crunching them up. He says, now give everybody a handful of crumbs. I knew then that he was the devil. (laughs) Again, opposition, 
opposition. And then, and let me tell you again how not to handle it. The last night of boot camp, we had been eating boot camp food for months. I mean, for weeks. And y'all know that's not the best chow in the world. He took up $10 from everybody graduating. He says, I'm going to go out and buy a pizza for everybody. And so we were all happy. Didn't even go to chow that night. We were waiting for that pizza. He never showed. <laughs> Midnight came, and it was my time to watch, to do the fire watch. So I began to march around. We just marched around. And I walked outside, and behind our barracks, I saw his car. He had a convertible Mustang. Never forget him. And he was sitting in the car, and he was asleep and had been drinking quite a bit. No pizzas in the car, one box, and he had eaten that. And so I said, Lord, you're getting ready to make him my footstool. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that that's what he'll do to our enemies, right? Make him our footstool. Bad example. So I walked up to that car and I looked around. I touched him on his shoulder, didn't move. I closed my eyes and I drew back and as hard as I could, I hit him. <laughs> he didn't move. He didn't make a sound. He simply leaned over in his car, still asleep. Next morning, he came in and he says, listen, I know somebody hit me. Everybody who was on watch, you're going to stand on this wall to somebody tell who hit me. You see, I had created a bad example for myself. And if he could have seen how I was sweating, he would have known it was me. But he was an adversary. And until we learn how to overcome adversaries in our life and know that God has our back, I didn't have to fight him. You know what the Bible teaches me to do for those who oppose me? Jesus says, pray for them. There's a great weapon that we carry around, and a lot of times I don't think we use it. That weapon is prayer. We have this pit bull mentality that if you strike me, I'm going to strike you back. That's not how God chose, uh, God told us to handle opposition. Listen to this. It says, after you've responded to God with a yes and trust in his vision, without a doubt, the enemy will enhance his attacks. I, people ask me all the time, they're having financial problems. And I'll ask them, what is your giving like? What is your tithing and offerings like? Well, I, I really don't do it because I'm struggling already in my finances. You see, to the opposition, it makes no sense that if you're struggling in your finances, that you would give God more. And I, and I was like, well, what else is going wrong? Well, my, I, I'm not getting the time I need to do the things I need to accomplish. How much time are you giving to God? You see, you can't cut God out of your life and think the other areas of your life are going to be enhanced. It just won't work. And when we learn that when we deal with the opposition that God has already promised, nothing that they will do will prosper. I don't know about this church, but I've been in churches before where there was some splits. There were some people who walked off unhappy with what was going on in the church and they would go out and they would uh, then try to tear down the church they left. Ah, oh, man, I was at that church. Let me tell you about those people. Listen, we've got to learn to just trust God. It's easy to strike back and it's easy to say the things that they did, but God tells me that whatever they go and spread on me, he says that nothing that is formed against me will prosper. Second Thessalonians says this, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. It won't prosper. It won't prosper. And when I know that the enemy cannot prosper against me, no matter what comes my way, I continue to keep it in the road. It won't prosper. Isaiah 41 and 10 says this, fear not, for I am with you. 
And listen what God says. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We should be able to settle our lives in God's word. Why can't we remove the fear? Why can't we remove the trepidation out of our lives and know that, listen, God says, I have your back. I can remember when we were growing up and, and I had a brother and my brother liked to fight. And, and, and I, sometimes I got jumped on just, cause, just because he was my brother. And, but when he showed up, if I was there and he showed up, I knew he had my back. Listen, we got the biggest we got the biggest player on the block got our back. Why are we so fearful about people? When we begin to worry about what people will say about us, when we begin to worry how people will attack us, how people will ridicule us. Let me tell you something. We are stealing God's joy from our lives. And if we can't celebrate who God is, he says, I have your back. Micah chapter 7 and 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. It says, When I fall, I shall rise. Sometimes people count us out in life. They're down, they're down, they can't recover, they can't recover. Our Bible says that God says, When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Whatever we go through in life, once we really buy into what God is trying to do for us, I don't know. I mean, we're in the church, but I guess I can ask it. We got anybody here ever played a little poker? Anybody ever played a little poker? And listen, if you were dealt a hand and you had a ace, king, jack, ten, ace, king, queen, jack, and ten of, of, of one suit, that's a pretty good hand, right? So if you were going to bet, how would you bet that? Somebody said all in. That's what I'm listening for. All in. All in. Somebody play a little poker. Listen, all in. And let me tell you what I, why I've said that, because that's what God is trying to get us to do with our lives. You see, we're betting just a day of it. I bet it on Sunday. I bet it on Wednesday night. God says, listen, take that, your life, take what you have and push it to the table. All in. Why? Because you have the winning hand. The winning hand belongs to God. I want to go to the book of Nehemiah. I want to talk a little bit how to handle opposition. The book of Nehemiah. In verse in chapter four of the book of Nehemiah. And let me give you a little background of what's happening. Nehemiah um, was a high ranking person in the king's in the king's court. And, and, and I would say that to say Nehemiah had a good job. Nehemiah had a good job. I, I remember when I was in Haiti one time and, and I met a gentleman who was, he was from Canada. And he was the chief engineer of the Canadian Railway. He had a good job. And he was in Haiti on a missions trip. And while he was there, he saw a bunch of kids out in the street. And he kept saying, where are these kids going? How are they living? He found out they were street kids. And when he found out that they were street kids, he and trust me, he had a great job. God birthed in him a vision that day. And that man went back to Canada, loaded up his wife. And at that time, his two kids quit his job and moved to Haiti. He says, listen, God has given me given me this vision. I've got to move on it. 
Nehemiah, he got the vision. He got the report that the walls of Jerusalem were in, in bad. Where they were a reproach to God, that the city, that the holy city was, was a reproach. And he went and then the vision was birthed that I must go and rebuild the walls. And let me tell you something. When you examine your life and you do, and you see where there's there's breaches in your life, you see where there are cracks in the walls in your life. You see where there are breakdowns in your life. And, and God gives you the vision that, listen, you must fix your life and you start out on it. Everybody's not going to be on your side. I've learned this in life that misery loves company and people with miserable, miserable lives don't want to see you get yours right. Why are you trying to do this? Why are you giving your life to God? Why are you doing more for God? Listen, because they are miserable themselves. But the Bible says Nehemiah, with this great job that he had, went before the king. King asked him, why are you so sad? And he shared the vision God had given him. And then not only did the king give Nehemiah the the, uh, permission to go, he says, not only am I going to send you to to accomplish your vision, he says, I'm going to finance it for you. Don't you know that that's a great thing when you step out for God? You don't have to worry about the resources. God has already prepared the resources for his vision. And so Nehemiah went out and and, and says that he left. And the king asked him, when will you come back? I told you last night, the vision that God gives is for an appointed time. When God says to move, we must move. When God says to be still, it's time to be still. And the Bible says Nehemiah left and he left with the children and they went to the holy city. And then in verse four, I told you, when you decide to do a work for God, the opposition is going to come. He had already defeated himself. He'd given up that great job in the king's court. He left out on this vision to do what God has asked him to do. Look in chapter four. It says, but it came to pass. And listen, I, I, I always read about this, and it sort of makes me laugh. When Sambalat heard that we build a wall, and he was angry and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Let me tell you what the opposition is going to do to you first. They are going to make fun of you. When people give their lives to Christ, those who have not done it, they make fun of them. Oh, you're saved now. Ha, ha, ha. It's funny to them. That's what the opposition does. He's going to mock you. No, when when you're trying to identify the enemy, the opposition in your life, find the people who are mocking you. That's the first sign that guess what? That might be an enemy in my life. And it's not always strangers. You know, sometimes even our own families, sometimes the people we think are the closest to us, they'll mock us when we begin to do more for Christ. It says that they begin to mock him and they spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, why do these feeble Jews, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they receive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And let me tell you, when, they, when, they, when the enemy and the opposition begin to team up on you, guess what? Other folk going to join it. In school, we call it roasting. When some of the kids begin to roast some of the other kids, you'll see everybody else now start joining in. That's what's going on here. But guess what? The vision, if you buy and trust the vision, you're going to know how to handle opposition. And listen, verse three, now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. Here comes an Ammonite. We had to sample it. Now we got an Ammonite coming and he was by him and said, even that which you build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. People always look for us to fail. I shared that with you. People were waiting for our ministry to fail. 
You go ahead and start your ministry. Wait to fail. Wait when you don't have anybody to show up for church. I made it very clear. If it's just me, my wife and my son, we'll be at that church every Sunday. Why? Because there's no failure in God. God does not fail. And he says that the Ammonite began to mock him. But listen how how the first way that you handle your opposition, Nehemiah answers with a prayer. You see the words, the slander that the, that the opposition will bring you. It's just to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. I hear people all the time when, when people say, well, I'm going back to school or I'm doing something to enhance myself. And they begin, people that they think are their friends begin to mock them. Why are you going back to school? You're wasting your time. Listen, it's because they don't want to enhance themselves. But know that the opposition is going to ridicule you. It says, how do you answer? Number one, you pray. Nehemiah said, hear, O God, hear our, O God, for we are despised. And listen what he tells God to do. And turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. That's the kind of prayers I used to like. You know, we pray, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Lord, they know what they're doing. Hey, let some pray come and get them. I was in church one time and then some kids and, and this was the first time I read it in the Bible. I was in uh, doing children's church and the kids were sitting there and they were laughing. I said, what y'all laughing at? Your bald head. <laughs> and so a couple of them thought it was funny. I said, look, let me show you something. I had read this and I turned to Samuel and as they were mocking the prophet, they said that they were telling him, move on, bald head. Go your way, bald head. This is in the Bible. And it says Samuel turned around and and he cursed them. And it says that the bear came out of the woods and 42 of them, the bear ate. So y'all be careful laughing at some bald-headed prophets. (laughs) But that's the prayer. God, you handle them. But Jesus, you know, Jesus gave us the great example. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. How else does the enemy or the opposition attack us? Number one, I said with words, with slanders, with lies. That's what they did in these first verses. And then if you continue to work, like I said, once you start on that vision, continue to work. And this was the mindset of of Nehemiah. I will stay on the wall. You can talk about me. You and listen, after they talk about you and try to make fun of you, then they get angry. And after you feel the ridicule, now they're going to let you feel the wrath. Listen what it says. And it came to pass in verse seven. Same two. Well, let's look at verse six. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together until half of it finished, for the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sambalot and Tobiah, and listen, now the crowd getting bigger. I told you when they start teaming up on you, they're going to keep teaming up on you. The Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up. It says and that the breaches began to be stopped. Then they were very angry. You see, once they make fun of you and it don't stop you, now they're going to get angry. Now they're really going to reject you. So how did Nehemiah handle the anger? In verse 7, he set up watches. And, I mean, and, and, and later in the verse, you're going to find that he set up watches. And he says, listen, they can be angry. We're going to continue to work. And I like Nehemiah. If you ever read a good person in the Bible, Nehemiah is that guy. Because Nehemiah kept his hand to the wall with one tool and with that other tool, he had something that if you want to come on and bring it, I got something for that too. That's my kind of prophet right there. I got this Bible, but if you want to act crazy, I got something else for you too. 
It says that he dealt with their anger. He kept them on the wall. Listen, as you begin to do the work of God, people will make fun of you. I, I, I have some kids at my church in school and I'll see them in school and they might be doing some things they don't need to be doing. And I'll check them a little bit. And I was like, listen, you are a person of Christ. Why don't you carry yourself like that at school? Well, it's hard because they make fun of me. You know, they say I'm, the, I'm, I'm a good guy. Why don't you want to be recognized as that? Why don't you want to be recognized as a person whose life? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Why don't you want to be recognized as new? I don't want the old, the same old me, because the same old me did not do anything right. But I cannot let people dictate how I live my life. And then after they after they rejected him, after they rejected him, and then they sent word that they're coming to fight. The Bible says that Nehemiah was prepared for that. And then after the ridicule didn't work, after the resistance didn't work, the next and the final thing you're going to get from your opposition is rage. And if you ever seen somebody just angry, people sit in churches angry all the time. What's the rage about? It's because their lives have that check engine light on and they are willing to come in and let the, the master mechanic fix it. And I've set times in church where I know, God, I need I need your help. And it's, it's frustrating. It builds anger. Frustration builds anger. And people are angry in church because they're frustrated and they're frustrated because they won't let God fix their lives. And they won't let God fix their lives because they worried about what people will say. I can remember when growing up at, at my home church in Union City and one day one of the deacons walked out and he walked out. And, and I know he was in his 60s at the time. Been in church, been a deacon. He counted the money, took the money to the bank. He was the main guy in the church almost. And he came out and he says, I want to be saved. And the whole church mouths just opened. This man has been in the church. We, he said, listen, I knew all along I wasn't there. But because of who people thought I was. And let me tell you, it's, it's, it's hard to live a lie just like it's hard to remember one. But when you live in the truth. Listen, don't allow people to shape who you are. Know that God has birthed his vision in you. Know that he set you above the fray. I've set you above and know that he has your back. I used to be, I, 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 when I would travel overseas sometimes, I used to get worried sometimes. Lord, man, it's dangerous out here. I remember one time I went to Haiti and the minute we landed, got off the plane, the airport was shut down. We got word that the government had been overthrown. No more flights in or out. We don't know to when. And I'm sitting there and there's chaos everywhere. People running. They set stuff on fire. I don't even know why they was burning stuff, but they were just burning stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm frightened now. I don't know what's going to happen to me. You see, I didn't realize that at that point that, listen, most pe- God didn't have to have me in Haiti for me for him to take my life. Most people actually die within a few miles from their home. So being in Haiti shouldn't have created a great fear in my life, but that's where I was. And, 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 and God settled in my spirit. Listen, I have you here for a reason. And just like that, people begin to come in and say, listen, come with me. I'll take you where you need to go. People begin to show me how, how you're going to make it through this. By the hand of God, it worked in my life. And then after they give us the raise, they want us to worry. 
I, sh- I share with people all the time, worry is the greatest defeater of our health. People talk about what we eat. People talk about how we rest. Listen, it's worry that defeats most people because most people live a life of worry. The Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing. It says, but everything in prayer and supplication, give thanks. Stop the worrying. Stop worrying about what people will say. Stop worrying about what people, how people will react to you. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And if I believe that, if I believe that and I buy into that, I know that, listen, wherever God has taken me, I'm happy to go there. I want to go to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. And this, this, is, this is a defining moment of my life. Whatever anybody plans to do to me, I don't worry about at my job, you know, we got groups of people. And if you're not with the in crowd, sometimes you might get overlooked for certain things. Sometimes you might not get the invite to certain things. Sometimes things are attached to you that you didn't do. There's a lot of uh, confusion a lot of times in our jobs. Look at Genesis chapter 50. Verse 20. And it's the story of and y'all know most of us know the story of Joseph. Remember how to deal with opposition. Job's first opposition was his own family, his own brothers. The jealousy of him being what? A person of vision, a person called by God. So understand that if you are a person of vision and you're a person called by God, you may experience some jealousy in your life. And it says that his brothers took him out of this jealousy and they put him in a pit, told his father that he had been killed out of jealousy. Again, that was his opposition. And then they sold him and he he was taken down into Egypt and sold into the house of a captain. And it says that in his house, he found favor. Remember, the brothers what? The brothers thought that that was going to be the end of Job, but God had his back. No weapon formed against him of Joseph. No weapon formed against him would prosper. And so and in a house, he rose up. And then at, at a point in his life in this house, he had an issue with the wife of the man of the house. And she accused him of some improper uh, actions, some improper behavior, and he was cast again into prison. Remember, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And in that prison, a time came where the the head of, of Egypt needed somebody to interpret a dream. And it says that Joseph was that guy and he interpreted that dream. And again, he came up out of that prison. You see, sometimes as bad as our lives look, listen, God is just waiting to bring us out. Just trust the vision. Just trust the vision. And it says as he came out, he became the the second greatest man in the whole country of Egypt. And those same brothers, those same brothers who were jealous of him, who had taken him and placed him in that pit. One day they had to come to him for food. And you would think and, and put yourself in the position of somebody who had mistreated you like that. And they come in and they need to they need your assistance to eat. Sometimes a lot of us wouldn't help him. But listen what he declared in verse 20. He said, he's talking to his brethren. He says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
You thought evil against me, but listen, but God meant it unto good. And just like I said, that night I saw that, that drill instructor. Boy, to me, God meant this for good because I done caught him sleep. He's getting ready to be my footstool. I'm misusing everything. But listen, Joseph had the right attitude. You meant it for bad. God meant it for good. And then this is what he says. He says, it meant it unto good to bring to pass, and it is this day, to save many people. Whatever you're going through in life, listen, whatever opposition you have, God is trying to save people through our lives. And if we are not a vessel for people being saved, of all the things we'll do in our lives, listen, my Bible teaches me that after death comes judgment. And what would that judgment be? Will it be the roll call of Palmetto Baptist? Let me see how many times you were at church at Palmetto Baptist. And out of your however many years, you were there 83% of the time. Come on into heaven. You're welcome here. No, that's not going to be the judgment. It's not going to be, let me see your, your tithing record and how much money you put in church and, and how much you gave to, listen, that's not going to be in there. The judgment is going to be on what decision did you make for Christ? What decision did you make for Christ in your life? And there are going to be people, Lord, I was in the church 50 years. I prayed, I gave, I sang in the choir, I preached. Lord, I did all of these things. And he's going to say, listen, depart from me. I never knew you. Because my job was through people was to save other people. I get asked a lot of times, have you seen God? Do you know what God looked like? And I said, no, I've never seen God but I should be seeing godly people in the church all the time. My life should mirror the life of Christ, the life of sacrifice, the life of giving, the life of overcoming. And you think about what if Jesus had allowed the opposition to stop him from what he was doing? It says at every turn he had opposition, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of them were opposition. Why? Because he was on a vision from God. But if you don't allow the opposition to stop you. You see, the adversary was yourself. And once you defeat yourself, don't think that it's over because now there's somebody else coming. There's going to be those, that Sambalot and those Ammonites and all them other ites in our lives. We've got to learn to overcome the enemy. And the enemy is those who will ridicule us, who will resist us, and who will pour their rage out on us. People at school sometimes, it's, it's not funny, but the kids will give, uh, they'll go through the breakfast line and they'll give them a, a counterfeit $20 bill. And so I'll stand around some days when I'm in duty and the, the lady in the lunch line will say, this is a fake $20 bill. And the lady who took it will say, how do you know that? You see, it's only with the trained eye can you recognize counterfeit. And let me tell you something. The Bible teaches us that the devil is a counterfeit of God. So if your eyes are not trained to recognize, if your eyes are not trained to know the difference between what's a counterfeit and what's real, you're going to be holding a counterfeit bill in the end. Listen, recognize that God has called us to be successful. And I go back to that check engine light. There's some check engine lights on in our lives. How long are we going to drive around with it? I have an old pickup truck and and that old pickup truck, the check engine light came on. I changed the O2 sensors. I changed the spark plugs. I changed the uh, catalytic converter. 
and that light still won't go off. You know, some of us, we've changed a lot of things in our lives, but that check engine light still hasn't gone off. Why? Because we haven't taken ourselves to the master mechanic. That master mechanic is Jesus. And Jesus calls, Jesus calls to fix our lives. And let me tell you something. If you had the worst car of any, the worst running car of anybody, and somebody said, just bring it by, I'll fix it for free. We'd be running to get it there. And that's what he's telling us with our lives. Listen, forget what other people are saying. Forget the embarrassment of, of, of coming and, and, and giving yourself to me. That's not important. The master mechanic stands and says, bring me the car. I'm going to clear that code out of that check engine. And when I fix it, you don't ever have to worry about it coming back on again. Why? Because I am the master mechanic. Listen, learn to overcome opposition. I'm sure, and I don't know this, but I'm sure that at some point when, when this church decided to move, when this church decided to move, there was some opposition. Somebody didn't want to move. Somebody didn't want to go. And guess what? They began to ridicule the move. And then when that ridicule didn't work, they began to resist the move. Well, I'm not going. And then after that, they began to be raging about it and angry about it. And I don't know what's going on. If I'm wrong, then I, I please forgive me. But I would venture to say that at least one had that attitude. Listen, don't worry about the opposition. God says they can't do anything that'll hurt you. And I know this, if I'm in God's hands and, and that's, where I, that's where I choose and that's where I want to be with my life. If I'm in God's hands, whatever happens to me there, that means that he what? He allowed it to be in his hands with me. So whatever happens, I know that it's not going to do anything but benefit my life. Why? Because I'm in his hands. I'm in his hands. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And then I like the end of that verse. It says that this, and it says every tongue that rises against you in judgment, he says, you condemn it. You condemn it. This is not true in, this is not true in my vision. This is not true in my life. I condemn that. I don't buy into that. Why? Because he says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Our righteousness is of him. So what I want you to walk away with tonight is simply this. Relax in the vision. God has your back. And when your back is covered, let me tell you something. When your back is covered, there's a lot of relaxing that you can do. Why? Because most of us, when we're frightened, it's because we're frightened of something that's behind us. Relax. God has your back. Stay with what he's called you to do. And know that whatever anybody, whatever anybody gathers up to come against you, the Bible says it won't prosper. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Father, we thank you for the assurance that you have our lives in your hands. God, you says our lives are hid in you. And Father, we know that if we're hidden in you, that nothing can find us unless you shine the light on us. So we thank you, God, for that that tabernacle, that security, Father. God, you said that if you are for us, then who can be against us? And so, Father, help us to have that confidence to know that nothing can be against us, God, that nothing can prosper. And, Father, we know that the enemy, the opposition, continues to fire darts, 
But God, we know that they can't touch us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for that armor that you've given us, God, that will keep us safe. We thank you for the faith that you've given us. Father, we just bless your name tonight. God, we pray that as our lives, that we examine our lives, Father, with all the things that are going on. Father, that we don't let people stop us from serving you. Father, we pray and we're thankful for those in our lives, God, who speak the vision with us. Father, who speak the words of you with us. But Father, we recognize that there's a great opportunity along with a great opposition. So in that great opposition, God, we know that greater is you that is in us than anything that is in the world. So through that opposition, Father, help us to continue to prosper. Help us continue to move on. God, help us to continue to be new every day. Father, help us to know that you've called us for every day, God. We are to crucify this flesh. God, we are to look more and more like you. God, we just thank you this night. Father, I thank you even for the enemy. For with the enemy, God, I know how much more I need to trust you. We bless your name this night. And God, I pray as you, as you have spoken to hearts, Father, as people sit in and struggle in their hearts and their spirit of whether you're speaking to them or not, God, I pray that you make it plain tonight. Father, that you remove the gray, Father, that it's black and white, that yes, I'm speaking to you. I'm requiring more of you. God, we just bless you this night. And if any, God, have not accepted you this night as their Lord and Savior, as the master and the rule of their lives, God, we know that this is the first order of business of all our lives, that we know you and that our salvation is secured in you. Father, if there's any tonight as the opposition, Father, remove the embarrassment, God, for we know, God, that you have called us with an, and loved us with an everlasting love. God, help us to be true to ourselves this night. Father, we just bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>